Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talked about college football, college basketball, the NFL, NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 200. Yes, we are in episode 200, and this is our first live stream episode currently being streamed on twitch.tv slash 8311cast, where you can go and check out uh, this live stream because it's being recorded as well, so you can go go and check that out if that suits your fancy. But to get into this week's episode, I do have a fun fact for y'all today, and it is regarding Twitter and a lot of the drama surrounding Twitter. So Twitter was originally born... Uh, about June 2006 is when it was publicly available. The first tweet ever was March 21st of 2006. In 2006, Tennessee won 16 to 13 versus Alabama in Knoxville. And then during the next 15 years, Twitter grew up and became the social media juggernaut that it is. And Tennessee lost 15 games to Alabama. However, this year, the Volunteers won 52-49 to 49 in 2022, and Twitter is looking like it's on death's doorstep. So, if Twitter dies relatively soon, it would have lived in the span between Tennessee's last two wins against Alabama. It's your fun fact for the week. So, for the sake of Twitter, we need to sacrifice Tennessee to Alabama? Is that what you're telling me? Can we go or back Twitter and can play just that die. again? I, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Depends wouldn't, what you think about Twitter. Nah, wouldn't be a big loss to the world, probably. Nah. So, you know, maybe some people would have to find something new to do with their spare time who are in the chat. Or or, or you. Tweeting out everything. <laughs> Is Twitter going to bounce back with the loss this last weekend? Uh, probably not. But maybe. It wasn't to, Al- it wasn't to Alabama. It so wasn't to Alabama. Not. That's true. Although they did lose their starting quarterback with the torn ACL, which sucks for him. And he was probably going to yeah. be a first-round draft pick and possible yeah, Heisman yeah. winner. So that's tough. That is tough. Twitter won't die as long as 8311 cast is on there because we're pretty much carrying the whole website at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen our follower account? A lot of followers. And Brian C. Burner Carrier, or Brian C. Carrier's Burner account. Sorry. Got to get that, that right. That is responsible for about 70% of the volume, I think, on Twitter. I agree. I don't know about y'all, but those are the only two accounts that I have notifications turned on. For, so. <laughs> I mean, if you do have notifications turned on on Twitter for either of those accounts, you would know um, how bad the Cyclones have been um, this year. And it just continued um, into this last week uh, or into this, uh, this last game. To me, um, the story of this game is red zone, red zone, red zone. I believe they had five red zone possessions and three points. Um, and then the touchdown came outside of the red zone. So I believe the Cyclones had five red zone possessions and three points in those possessions for the entire game. In a game you lose by uh, one score, that's your difference right there, plain and simple. Yeah. It, 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 it seems like it's a different thing every week for this team now. Like usually it is offense related, but it seems it's a different problem for the offense. One week it's turnovers at bad times. Now it's red zone. Now it's we can't run the ball. Then it's missed field goals. Then, you know, it, it's been a different thing going wrong every week, and that makes it even more frustrating, in my opinion. If, like, you just had a bad kicker, you just had a bad kicker. Yeah. But The common thread, though, 
is uh, offense. It's always our offense. I've never, like, what, we've had one game this year where we've given up more than 24 points? I Definitely only one where we've given up over 30. Killer, right? Yeah, just yeah, the, the The only one you could consider blaming on the defense is and the I Baylor know. game. Yeah, and maybe the maybe the Oklahoma game, but one of those touchdowns was scored um, on special teams because of that fake field goal. So Texas Tech averages like thirty four points a game. Like they did pretty good. They did pretty good. And then you can't have more red zone attempt trips than you can points. Like that is an unwinnable game. That's supposed to be the place where you score points, and especially when you get down to fourth and goal. And our only play somehow is to run it dead up the middle with like Dion Silas or whoever. And it didn't work. So next time we get down there, what do we do? Let's run it up the middle again. Let's see. And then we did it again. Like we're thinking this time they won't do anything. They'll, they'll just play soft zone in the back of the end zone. Why? <laughs> Why is that the only play we have? It doesn't make any sense. It's and terrible. typically, typically, if you uh, decide to run the ball up the middle over and over and over again, they're going to start stacking the box. And they did. They, there was generally a seven-man box uh, that, that Texas Tech was deploying in those options because what else do they have to defend? Oh, the shallow crossing route over the middle that also doesn't get us to the line of... To, well, it gets us past the line of scrimmage, but not to the first down marker by a long margin. We did have a couple of good drives there where we would pick up one or two yards on that first down and have the short shallow crosser to, to end up getting a first down, though, which is what we like. Ideally, is what we wanted to see that whole time. But I, I don't disagree with you. It's just it wound up being mildly successful this game. It seems like the Iowa State offensive game plan is uh, no gain whether it be terrible run play or screen play on first down, incompletion, run for negative yards, or stupid penalty on second down, and set yourself up for a nice available third and 10 plus, which we never convert, and then we just punt it again. And I don't think our, I know Mike, you've had, you said he's good before. I don't think we had a good punting game. This, like they felt pretty short to me. I didn't love it. I felt like we should have had better clip in the field position and we didn't. Let me look at the punting stats for this game. It was like find them. Um, punting, 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 punting. We punted five times for 192 yards, 38 yard average, uh, with one touchback and three inside the 20. So not a great game. It wasn't terrible, but three, th- three of your five punts going inside the 20, and one of them being uh, being uh, in a touchback is not terrible. But yes, I want to. T- I want to talk about that punt with three minutes left and one timeout. Uh, that made no sense. Like I get it; it was fourth and long. But either way, one first down wins the game for Texas Tech, right? With only three minutes and one timeout. Why does it matter if they're taking that possession from midfield or from the fifteen-yard line, right? All it gets you is maybe slightly better field position if you get the ball back, right? But you needed to go down and score a touchdown anyway. I, 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 yeah. You, I get you want to trust your defense. It's the better unit on this team. But if there were three timeouts, sure, go trust your defense. You can't do that with one timeout left. 
Does anybody know why Gilbert wasn't kicking? He didn't kick once this game. Is he just bad at kicking in the cold? So I have that he kicked one extra point, and then Nettles had all three field goal attempts, which he missed two of, is what I had. I know Nettles kicked all the field goals. That was odd to me. Yeah, I thought it was very odd. Really late in the season to make a change. Were those his first attempts of the season? Yep. Yes. Yeah, he had not attempted a field goal all season. He had not attempted a field goal ever, I don't think, right? That was his first. I could be wrong. At least this season. I'm not sure yeah. if I can get his career here. Even if he's a senior and you say, like, senior night, great, one kick. Why is he kicking every kick? ESPN, lift, ESPN lifts, lists him as a junior. Let me see if I can find uh, the, um, yeah, the official roster to see. Otherwise, that's uh, a little bit interesting if, uh, yeah. not, if he's not a senior, right? Like, Gil- Gilbert has had his struggles this year, but he is the future of this team at kicker, right? He's just a freshman. He was a highly rated recruit. He'll get better. And if you, and if you came back to him after that KU game, and he, he proved that he could be that guy, right? After that KU game, he's made some good field goals for us. I mean, he was the only person, mind you, who scored us points against K-State, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know why we move away from him. Like, goes i'm questioning a lot of what this coaching staff is doing this year right yeah nettles is listed as a a red shirt better in practice so i don't think looking better in practice is a reason to make a change after the entire season though that doesn't make is it just because of cold weather kicking maybe that's the only thing i could think of because it was blustery it was very cold yes i don't know I agree. The coaching staff has not done a great job this year. We've had a lot of complaints about Tom Manning. I was kind of in between on the fire Tom Manning train before, but it was terrible this game. If you want to let him go, I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to double check you. I think that's a great choice. And Kyle brought up, like, what about the offensive line coach? Also not great. And then I said, when does the head coach start taking any culpability for this? You are in charge. Matt Campbell just gets to blame his position coaches every time. Like, you're in charge. Make a change. If it goes into next year, blame I would has agree to with go that. Into it. It's been the whole season. Why is that one season before Matt Campbell answers any questions? I'm not saying fire him, but... Has Campbell outspokenly uh, like put the onus on the coaching staff, not just himself? Do we not know that? that? No of. I haven't seen anything in the pressers. Because Matt Campbell doesn't strike me as the one to call out someone on the coaching staff right. for it being their job to, to go and fix it. But let's go down and, and list out the coaching staff that has responsibility this year, right? Offensive line coach. Who is he? What has his job been this year? And why has, the, why has this offensive line not at least gotten better? throughout the season because this offensive line hasn't been injured, right? This, for the most part, all of these guys have started the bulk majority of these games this year, and we are still not working as a cohesive unit up front. And this used to be the power strength of this, this Iowa State team was offensive line play. You really never, uh, you didn't talk about them much, which was a good thing, right? 
But yep. this year you're you're talking about the run game, but where does it start? It starts with the offensive line. It also starts with play calling. So Tom Manning, there there's another name on the list of position coaches who uh have underperformed this season. Uh I don't know if I can throw it on the running backs coach so far this year, but it, some of these running backs just aren't hitting the holes that they're supposed to, right? They're not reading the gaps, right? They're not allowing blocks to be set up if they are being set up, which is a thing that Brees Hall did masterfully in his time at Iowa State. Like his his prospect was Le'Veon Bell. When we all think about vintage Le'Veon Bell, you see a guy who waits and then explodes when that gap opens. That was Brees Hall in college. He waited, exploded. All of these running backs, they're too quick to, to make their decision. They just go. They hit the wrong gap. They're not waiting. It's not developing. I comment there. Norton looked better this Norton. We talked about this the very first game of the year when he had two carries and then got injured. I love the look of Cartavius Norton, and he hasn't done anything to dissuade me from that this season. I think right. as a whole, other than those games at the beginning, Cartavius Norton has been the better looking back. I agree. When he had that breakout game and then all of a sudden he got hurt, he I think he pulled up Gimpy hamstring or something, yeah. right? Yeah, he, and, yeah, against Southeast Missouri. We were we were talking about, you know, is that is that the guy? Is that our next great running back in this in this lineage of running backs that we've had throughout the years going from David Montgomery to Brees Hall? It's a high uh, bar. I don't know that he's going to uh, get, you know, in a that high, running back. Right. Who's I, our solid RB1? Yeah, correct. A couple other observations about the running backs. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Jaleel Black got zero carries in this game. Was he hurt? Was he suited up? Does anybody know? He didn't. Seems like every time Touch Frog gets healthy, he he gets injured again. He did not touch the ball in this game. He did not have a target. He did not have a rush. Um, Was he hurt? Has he internally told the team he's transferring so they. Right. This is all speculation, of course. Yeah. But I just found it interesting that uh, the other thing uh, is that what's the, the the running back's name from Southeast Pole who just put up five touchdowns in the state championship game? Is he a senior? Something He's an Abba. Iowa State commit. Something Abba. Yeah, he ran for like 260 some odd yards and five touchdowns in their state championship game. And the UNI, whatever that UNI dome is. Unidome? Yeah. yeah. It's just called the UNI yeah. dome. <laughs> But I, yeah, so if he's a senior, maybe he's the, he's the option at running back next year. Right? I don't know. If we can pick him up, yeah. Uh, our unofficial. He's, a, he's, well, he's, he's, an, he's, he's a, committed already. He's yeah, a committed. He's committed. Oh, he? Okay. Yeah, he's committed already. So. According to our unofficial uh, sports analyst, apparently Driver Brock suffered a broken foot. So. Gotcha. So he is hurt. Can we okay. get injury reports in college? They are required. I think technically they are required to put out a report, but it is not required to be up to date. It's just a, a rostering, basically, is all they put out. Well, yeah. and it, they don't even, it doesn't even need to be uh, valid, right? Um, let, um, when Minnesota played Colorado earlier this year, Minnesota just listed blank or blank or blank or blank on the depth chart. So Colorado responded by putting out the depth chart from the first time the two teams played in 1978. <laughs> like awesome. You, you, you don't even need to put out a real depth chart in college. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes, yeah, Colorado put out a really old one. So, yeah. So, no, you're not going to get injury reports in college. Um, because, I, I mean, they don't enforce it, and the reason, the only thing that would convince them to do it is, right, gambling interests, right? That's why the NFL has to do it for fantasy football and now for just sports betting everywhere, right, is why the NFL requires it. They figure it drives more interest in their product, and it does. Um, but I just don't think you're going to get there um, for college. So, I will say, this is the game that made me think, this team is not good. Before, I was always like, eh, over so-so. I'm like, no, it's bad. Obviously, it's bad. This is not the team to get anything done this season. I feel bad for the defense. The defense is fantastic. Like, top defense in the country. I put them top 10 in the country. And then we have a bottom 10 defense or bottom 10 offense in the Big 12 or last in, like, every offensive metric. They could not have been paired with the worst offense to get anything done. Put this unit at any other school, this is a winning record at worst. Like, at least 6-6. Six and six. And we can't even get mediocre done with one of the best units in the country. It's a waste of talent, and it's a shame. I feel bad for those guys. If we had even an average defense, I think this team would look no better than a pre-Matt Campbell era football team. Yeah, it'd be rough. Yeah. I mean, that defense single-handedly won, mm-hmm. well, not I, not one, I should say, but kept us in a lot of games. I mean, we, we got every Iowa. We, well... Okay, we'll we'll go there. I had it a little bit later in the schedule, but uh, on our outline, but a lot of what ifs from this uh, season, right? If Iowa State had scored just one more touchdown in each game, our record would be 10 and one, right? If Iowa State had scored 21 points in each game, we would be eight and three. If Iowa State had won the games it was favored in, We'd be seven and four. Instead, we're four and seven. So close, but yet so far. Credit to Kyle Larson on Twitter at Crazy Kyle uh, for that information. Going that far and in depth. There's a lot of what ifs in in the game scenario and game plan shifts, right? As you score more points, obviously. But think about it. You are a Big Twelve offense, and you're not scoring 21 points per game. At least, like the Big Twelve used to be. The air raid, no defense, right? Yet Iowa State has this big, like, robust defense up in Ames, or and it travels well too, right? It, it's not bothered by going on the road into different environments, and they're keeping them in games. Twenty-one points was the benchmark that we had to hit in order to be eight and three. Yeah, and if you're eight and three right now, Right. If we, I haven't looked at the Big Twelve standings in a while because I gave up. But if you're sitting at eight and three right now, considering um, who those wins would be against, you'd be talking about a game against TCU for a spot in the Big Big Twelve championship game. That's that's what you'd be talking about, right? Because you'd have wins over K State and Oklahoma State, which means you'd be in a three way tie with K State, Texas, and Oklahoma State. Oh, sorry, with K-State, Texas, and you tied for a second um, with a week to play is what you'd be looking at. So, Yeah, this season could have looked entirely different. And I think a lot of what it's boiling down to is, you know, we're, yeah, we can talk about the last game of the season and, and all that. And eventually we'll talk about the offseason. But 
the the questions need to start we can ask some questions as to what changes are we going to see like on this coaching staff going into next season, right? If any, I think if we don't make at least some changes, it it might not be a step forward. And there's some, there's some interesting recruits coming in next year. If you go and look at the commits so far, uh, we talked about that Abu Sama kid who just scored five touchdowns in the state championship game. He's listed as an athlete. He's 5'10", 180. So he might be a little undersized for running back in the Big 12, but there's a gadget player that if he's got great hands, you can put him all over the field, right? So th- there's going to be some talent coming in. The coaching staff needs to be evaluated. I don't know if it's... I don't think we're going as far as fire Matt Campbell, but I do think that Matt Campbell has some has some work to do on his coaching staff going into next season. Possibly in a... Maybe a... a career defining year at Iowa State like is he on the hot seat next year no no you have to understand the difference in expectations right Iowa State sucks at football they've always sucked at football I don't need anybody to pull out the record books of the six years in the entire existence of the program that they haven't been bad Iowa State's a bad football school if you're just doing six and six every year you get bowl games, you're automatically one of the best football coaches that have ever been here. It's a, this is the golden age of football. Uh, you've never seen a change in expectations faster than when Matt Campbell got here. All of a sudden, we're like, why aren't we playing in the Big 12 championship game? Why aren't we, you know, one, two, three losses on the season? We used to get one, two, three wins on the season. He, no seat is high. Four wins would have been a success. In our yeah. freshman year of college, guys. Four Every year of my college career. <laughs> I am the only four-year stretch of no bowl games. They did yes. two before me, and there's been one ever since I graduated. Like, you would have to, like, go down. If you're going to let Matt Campbell go, and the, this point was brought up in the chat, right? If you're going to let Matt Campbell go, you have to know who your replacement is when you let him go. And you better be sure that he's better than yeah. Matt Campbell. Otherwise, you're putting your job on the line if you're Jamie Pollard. Like, maybe not quite that extreme because yeah. everyone loves Jamie Pollard. But essentially, if you fire Matt Campbell, you're putting your job on the line with the next hire. Um, it, uh, it, like, like, like uh, Sam said in the chat, it is not the place to test the coaching carousel for a head coach. You're not going to get somebody better than Matt Campbell to leave somewhere and come here. Not only is Matt Campbell a good coach, but he is a great culture fit as well. He likes being here. And guess what? Iowa kind of sucks. It's cold and there's not much to do there. So if you can get a guy who's good at the job, who wants to stay there, keep him there as long as possible. That's what you got to do. And don't let the fact that the offense sucked so bad for the whole year. Let's not forget how bad the special teams was to start the year and that we still don't have a special teams coordinator. We need to have one. Can we start a GoFundMe for a special teams coordinator? Well, apparently we need to start a GoFundMe for firing Matt Campbell and replacing him with Josh Lang. So uh, good on that. And also fun stat in the chat. We're the first team to finish in the top 10 for stop rates in the past five years out of 50 teams and the only one to have a losing record. So that just shows the utility of the offense. That's a good Iowa State stat. Yeah. Thank you for that one. Yeah, and we 
we've definitely been getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. The season is not over. We will definitely do a full um, post-mortem on the season once it's over. But there is still one more game left. Um, and theoretically, hear me out, theoretically, this team can still go to a ball game. Ariana, I know you're not happy about that, but... I, I totally agree with you, because I think we're going to blue shell TCU. Yeah, TCU yeah. is going to lose to us somehow. That just feels like the most Iowa State thing that can happen. However... That's what we do. I, it's what we I, do. Yeah, we make sure no one's happy. Oh, are you yeah. happy? No, you're not going to the bowl game. You're, the TCU is also not happy because they're not going to the to the playoffs now. However, I think a 5-7 and seven team should ever go to a bowl game. You're not even an okay team. You're a losing team. You don't get rewarded for losing more games than winning. It shouldn't happen. It just, like, sponsor bloat. It's gross. We got the Cheez-It Bowl and, what, the Cheez-It Orange Bowl? What are we talking about? We have too many bowl games. Get rid of some. What, three Cheez-It-branded bowl games this year? Two or three? I woke up feeling the cheesiest, coach. They will, they are likely to need some five and seven teams for the bowl games. I have not crunched the numbers um, yet, but it's looking like they are going to need at least a couple of five and seven teams. Um, and so the way they pick this for five and seven teams, by the way, um, is that they use some, something called academic progress rate. The NCAA uses this to evaluate how well programs across all sports. Um, are performing academically relative, you know, making progress academically, hence academic progress, right? I don't know the whole formula. But anyway, the moral of the story is Iowa State's football team is smart, or at least smarter than they used to be. Um, so I mean, our academic progress rate Charlie is, Kohler last year. I know, but they still, they still improve. So our academic progress rate is um, the second highest of all of the teams that could possibly finish um, five and seven. I believe it's second highest. I'm trying to find um, where I saved that information. Apparently I did not save that information because I am dumb. But um, so yes, there's a very, um, there's very much um, a chance that we go at five and seven, but you do have to beat TCU. That game is coming up this Saturday. Um, it'll be a 3 p.m. Um, kickoff on Fox. We are nine or nine and a half point underdogs, depending on uh, depending on uh, which site you look at. And FPI gives us a um, twenty-seven ish percent chance um, to win to win that game. TCU has not blown anybody out all year. I don't think um, they've been in close games all year, and they've they they've blew won out close games. You. Let us not forget they blew out OU going for over 600 yards in that game, running running for over 280-something. Yeah, T- TCU has blown out Colorado, Tarleton, and Oklahoma. Everybody else has been a 10-point game or less. And they needed a run-on field goal to beat Baylor or a run-off field goal, however you want to do that. Yeah, what, what, were, they doing? what were they doing the on that ball. play? Right? Who it. runs the ball? And then you're like, okay, run your kicker out there. Hope for the best, right? Don't I, even let him mark off his steps. to the kicker. Sonny Dykes, though, in his interview, he said, uh, he, our kicker likes to have the ball in the right hash. 
Yeah, well, you almost lost your college football playoff hopes because of your kicker being a little too picky. It's not even that, right? If you want to do that properly, right, you can run the ball on first down like you did, come up to the line, run the ball to the right hash on second down, and then spike it on third down, right? Why spike it on second down and then run it again on third down? That doesn't make sense. They said that they doesn't practice the drill every Thursday. I think that, practicing poor clock management every Thursday is a bad idea. You should not do that. Well, hey, right. you have to practice poor clock management in case you are really bad at clock management. You, you, you practice fire drills at work and school. That doesn't mean uh, you want to use them. Just because yeah. you practice it doesn't mean you should use it with your college football playoff hopes on the line. So, it worked, though. And it looked it cool. Worked. It did. They're undefeated. What well, I mean, right? If they beat us, if they finish undefeated, they'll go to the playoff. Yep. At this should. point, right? There's only going to be at most three undefeated teams at the end of the year. So if they finish undefeated, they're going to the playoff. Um, looking looking back for Bama at this point in the season, I did not see that coming. I know it does. I mean, if we look at our, in our favorite site, um, five thirty-eight. Um, not a Alabama's yeah, Alabama's. Uh, Playoff odds are down to 5% right now um, for Alabama. So it's, it's looking quite unlikely. 538 actually gives Kansas State a better chance to make the playoff wow. than Alabama, believe it or not. So mostly because I think Kansas State can win the conference still, and it weights that probably higher than maybe it should. But I don't see three loss Kansas State um, getting in. No. Especially with one of the losses being to Tulane early in the season. Tulane's a top 20 team to the mm. selection committee. It's, so. it, yeah, it's a bad loss at home, though, when your offense is performing. But, but, but it's the equivalent to like Iowa State's loss to Louisiana in 2020. It's a bad, it looks yeah. really bad. We it looks really bad at the games. time. True. But that's because we lost in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. It looks worse than it was. Put it that way. Um, well, but yes, that game, 3 o'clock on Saturday um, on Fox. Take a look at that during your Thanksgiving weekend and see if we can uh, take out the champs. Any other thoughts on Cyclone football, either from the chat or from uh, any of the hosts? Anything else we want to talk uh, about this week? So Xavier Hutchinson did set the school record for receptions this weekend, I do believe. Um, I don't know where he is for receiving yards, but receiving yards on the season, he has 1,160 receiving yards this season. Um, As of right now, he was named a Blitnikoff uh, semifinalist today. So there is your one, one Cyclone in the award news. Uh, I don't know about anyone on the defense yet, but uh, something to keep your eye on. It's probably going to go to that Jalen Hyatt uh, kid out of Tennessee who's got 1,200 yards receiving this year and, what, 15 touchdowns on the season. So he'll probably get that Blitnikoff award. It's nice to see the recognition, recognition for Hutchinson. So. More shallow crosser talk, please. I'm well, if I well, if good. we do, I'm gonna puke. 
My so, favorite type of play is when we have seven yards to go and we call a yard, like a four-yard crosser on third down, the best. Catch the ball and don't go upfield. We just keep dancing dancing horizontally. Catch a ball, go upfield, especially on yeah. third down. Run sideways. Then, like, just do this some. Mine's still, mine's still the fourth and inches running up the middle out of shotgun. That's my favorite. <laughs> out of shotgun. It's always out of sh- that was like, did everybody see the quarterback sneak under center? I was going to say, we actually snapped under center the for the first time that I can recall in Iowa State. About three yards. Like, this, this year. Yeah, I know, but it was something. You know, it worked. Yeah. It's better yeah, than it shot. No, I, got, I was excited about down. three yards. Yeah. It was awesome. We should try that sometimes. Quarterback sneak from shotgun, not good. See, but 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 the last time you remember Iowa State going under center, it didn't end well. The last time I can remember was two point conversion at the end of the Baylor game in 2021. We put Purdy under center and he fumbles a snap. That's because so, we never snap under center. He's never done that before. The only time I can remember a successful snap under center that we were able to do something with is when we had our linebacker as as our quarterback. Oh, oh yeah, the yeah. landing ram. Yeah, the landing ram, ram, baby. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he I was super happy to Patrick to Mahomes. So remember that <laughs> Patrick Mahomes sucks compared to Joe Lanning. Do that. I just accidentally entered mod view, and I don't know how to get out of it, and I don't want. To <laughs> Good luck. That's all that I had for. Uh, for and and thanks to though. thanks to Sam for reminding us XFL draft did happen. Uh, two Cyclones are in the XFL now. Z- uh, Mike Rose, sorry, not Xavier Hutchinson. He might get drafted to the NFL. Mike Rose, uh, linebacker to the St. Louis Battlehawks, uh, Ariane's XFL team, being from St. Louis. And then uh, Will Harvey, right? Willie Harvey, I believe. Uh, Cyclone linebacker um, in the day. So two, two linebackers going to the Battlehawks. Very nice, very nice. Um, since the football season is is over for all intents and purposes, I've shifted most of my attention to to excuse me to cyclone basketball, um, and it's about to get interesting for cyclone basketball. Um, this last week wasn't particularly interesting. One game on Sunday against Milwaukee, Cyclones won that um, sixty eight to fifty three. Um, a couple of observations um, that I had from this game, and then anybody else can chime in as well. Um, my first observation is that there was still no Trey King. Um, has anybody heard what happened to him? Nope. Any of our, anybody on the stream? Anybody? Nothing yeah. from TJ. Nothing from Cyclone Athletics. Nothing from Chris Williams. Uh, I've been trying to dig into it. See, so is he no still Trey on the King. Yes, he is still on the roster. And then I know we have it written down, but what did anyone actually watch the game? What happened to Gabe Kalsher? Did he get hurt? Why did he only log six minutes? I didn't I, I, notice. He he played later on in the game. I was kind of had it on in the background and was doing something else, but I, I saw him in the second half, so if he got injured, he must have come back in. Yeah, I'm going to look to see if there's a different box score. Maybe ESPN's box score is just wrong on no, that one. Let me see. The score, the score also has him only logging six minutes. Um, and yeah, so, I don't does, know. So, so does, like, so does Cyclones.com, so that must be right. So that's an interesting 
development. I almost wondered if it's more of like a injury potentially. Maybe he was dealing with something in practice. They gave it a go and he aggravated it, aggravated it during the game. And it's not a game that you're really looking into like this isn't something that the Cyclones were going to win easy, right? In this game, this is kind of a walkover game, a little bit of a scrimmage, uh, nothing to overlook, but maybe it was for rest purposes coming up the, into the uh, tournament here soon. The inside report in our chat from Cyclone Fanatic, thanks to Josh's burner account, says Gabe Kalsher played just four minutes in the game, exiting early in the first quarter after suffering a minor injury in practice on Saturday. So, Ah, so exactly what I thought. You are correct. Thank you, Cyclone Fanatic and Josh's Burner account. Yeah, I mean, I, I had it on. I wasn't watching it that much because I didn't care that much versus Milwaukee, to be honest. But my general, you know, looking at the game, I thought, one, our offense still looks gross. If you're excited for Cyclone football, bad defense or bad offense and good defense, get ready for Cyclone basketball because it's going to be good defense and bad offense again. Uh, the offense looked stagnant a lot of times, and uh, the defense looked great. And Oshuniyi, I think, is how they said it on the broadcast. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll dial that in a little bit more as the season goes on. Looked really good. Uh, I saw him close out to the perimeter a couple times, and he looks pretty mobile. Uh, I'm excited to have a big guy in there um but the defense looked really good yeah the the defense continues to be good um lipsy does not seem to be a volume scorer again only four points in this game he is contributing in other ways but he's just not going to be a scorer um we do miss tyrese hunter he had a phenomenal game for texas as they knocked off um gonzaga earlier this week um so we'll have to see on that but we're, we're gonna miss him and he won't be appreciated when he comes back to Ames this winter. Three-point shooting looks terrible. As I said earlier, Caleb Grill, please stop shooting the ball for the love of everything. We need need to, yeah, yeah, we need a fire extinguisher for the grill this year. It's not good. And to me, yeah. Lipsy as well, just airballed a three. A lot of them off the back of the rim. Like, we're not even hitting net. It's just clanking off everywhere. It does not look great. We need to dial it in or figure out a different way to attack defenses because the three-point attack did not look good in that game. Six, and six, the- six for 28 from three with uh, seven of those misses coming from Grill and six from Koontz. So. Yeah. Yay. The thing that I'm going to say i'm concerned about this year is last year when we were close in a game our closeout guy was isaiah brockington our closeout guy this year is Kalen holmes probably i don't know but i don't trust any of those people right now to be our closeout guys right and i the KU game in Lawrence, Arian. When we were there, Isaiah Brockington almost single-handedly won us that game in the last four or five minutes, right? He was the guy. And that was in, in Allen Fieldhouse. This year, I, I don't know who it's going to be. It sure, it sure wasn't Gabe Kalsher, and I don't want to put it all on him. Yeah. It, it almost has to be Gabe, though. He's the super senior. He's the leadership. He's been here for a year. 
our team is super new. We don't have a lot of guys who have even been there for that long. In theory, we saw him do this during the NCAA tournament. He has the ability to hit from all over the floor. We saw him light it up a couple games. Like He has to dial it in and get it done. We haven't seen him do that since freshman year, as Mike is probably about to say, but like he's got to be the guy. I, I was just going to say he's not a he's not a closer, right? He is going to have good games and he's going to have bad games. But what you want from from your your finisher at the end of the game is it doesn't matter if he's hot or not. He's going to go and he's going to get you the bucket when you need it more often than not. Gabe Kalsher, he's just not going to be that guy. Asking Gabe Kalsher to be that guy is just unrealistic. I, I agree. I don't know if I trust anybody else. But asking Gabe Kalsher to be that guy, it, it's just not realistic. Even when he was good as a freshman, um, he, he wasn't that guy. It was Marcus Carr, right? I can't remember if Carr was around that year or not. It may if Carr have was been, around, it, it would have been Carr. It may have been Daniel Oturo or Mir Coffey, mm. um, who might have yeah. still been around at that time. Both, both playing in the NBA now, so... Well, I, I can't remember exactly. We'll learn more this weekend. Uh, you for know, sure. Weekend. Uh, during uh, what, Thanksgiving break, we're going to go to the battle, or sorry, the Phil Knight Invitational, and we're going to see Villanova first, and then potentially we see a very good team in North Carolina favored to win that whole tournament. And we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next week. Uh, and we'll, we'll yeah. have a little bit more constructive information at that point. I say constructive, like we can change what the team is doing. But, you know. A little well, bit more insightful, a little bit more realistic. Right? The, the question becomes, can this team surprise at the Thanksgiving tournament like they did last year? If you remember, that's when this team um, took off, when they won their, their Thanksgiving tournament last year. This year is a, a much tougher field than last year, yeah. um, for sure. Um, to me, it all comes down to this first game, Right. The, the strength of schedule for the season is going to be very much determined by this first game against Villanova, 2.30 on ESPN2 on Thursday. Because if you beat Villanova, you're going to get number one UNC on Friday. If you lose, you get Portland, right? Huge strength of schedule difference right there. Um, th- this first game is key. I don't even care how you look against North Carolina if you get there. Get to the game with North Carolina. That's going to be huge for your strength of schedule come the end of the year. Yeah, so while you're eating Thanksgiving or just finished Thanksgiving dinner, annoy your family, skip the NFL, put Iowa State on, watch us yes. instead. And then yes, whatever NFL game it. it is is not going to be good. Yeah, it won't be. So we will, we will talk about that um, on next week's episode, let you know how the that ladies. all went. The ladies are also coming up on some big games as well. So yeah, they're yes. they're also playing in the Phil Knight Invitational yeah. on the women's side of things. They get Michigan State uh, on November twenty fourth. Yes, yep. So the women's bracket, the women's only four team tournament. Um, so Iowa State will get Michigan State uh, also on Thursday at two thirty, um, which you know was, was great planning. So pick the yeah, game, maybe maybe do a split screen, watch both of them. Um, and then the winner will get North Carolina, the, and then uh, they'll get either North Carolina or Oregon, depending on the results. But those are um, also um, very good teams um, on the women's side. Oregon's ranked 18th, 
North Carolina is ranked eighth. Um, Michigan State is currently unranked, so this is a game the Cyclones will for sure be favored in. Yeah, the, but, the Iowa State women just moved up to five in the AP poll today, so mm-hmm. high expectations there. Yeah, that they, they will be favored to win that tournament. Um, Iowa State will be with games Thursday and Sunday, so keep an eye on that Thursday and Sunday um, for the women, and it'll be Thursday, Friday, Sunday for the men. Um, I believe. Yes, Thursday, Friday, Sunday for the men, and Thursday, Sunday for the women. So, there you go. Keep an eye on that, um, and we'll let you know how it all goes next week. But what was um, interesting this week was the NFL. Kyle, you want to fill us in on everything that happened across the NFL this last week? I would say that, that this week had a lot of headlines, uh, but a lot of the games on the field ended up being somewhat of a snooze fest. Uh, the Eagles uh, went through a drag-out, knockout game against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts had, a, had the ability to stop them on a fourth and two uh, late in the fourth quarter that would have uh, given the Colts back with the Eagles one timeout, uh, a minute 40 left on the clock, and a good chance for victory. But Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey... The quarterback sneak game for them is untouchable, it seems like right now. Uh, Jason Kelsey just knows how to go at guys uh, and get good leverage and a good push up front. And Jalen Hurts being that big-bodied quarterback who did it a lot in college, does it again in the NFL. Eagles roll to, uh, what are they, 9-1 and one now on the season? Yeah. Yes, 9-1 and one on the season. So... Only team in the NFL still with with one loss. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, uh, an NFL record was uh, set this week. If if y'all weren't watching the Chicago Bears at Atlanta Falcons game, Cordero Patterson cemented himself in the record books with his ninth kickoff return touchdown. Uh, it was a 103-yard kickoff return touchdown for the Eagles as they went on to win that game. Justin Fields did go down with an injury in that game as well, so something to keep an eye on uh, if you are a Bears faithful fan. Uh, The Patriots, another snooze fest game. It was 3-all with 30 seconds left in the game. Uh, I forget his first name, but Davis returns a punt, believe 64 yards for a touchdown with five seconds left to go in that game so that was what it took heartbreak for the new york jets uh as they uh were not able to do anything on offense and neither was new england so uh if if many of you were not in a viewing area where your team was playing in the noon hour uh you were relegated to watch that game on cbs and i am so sorry that was an awful game to watch Head coach Robert Saleh said that he is not committing to Zach Wilson for the starter for next week. So that's kind of interesting to see what happens. Uh, Joe, Flacco, Joe Flacco? Flacco. Joe Flacco yeah, played not bad. Fun fact. Yeah, he was uh, okay. Joe Flacco has thrown, I think, for either more yards or touchdowns. I don't remember. I think it's more yards per game than Russell Wilson. And he's played like three games. Russell Wilson's Small really bad size, this year. But... Really bad. Right. Well, yeah, we'll get to Russell Wilson here in a bit. Uh, got a got a fun uh, fun game for us to play. Uh, 
elsewhere news uh the buffalo bills got that uh lake effect snow this weekend in which the buffalo bills in orchard park where the stadium is tweeted out that the snowfall they received was taller than only than all but five players on their active roster they had more snow than five than the height like a five players on their roster, which is wild. <laughs> they were excavating players out of their houses. They were trudging through snow, trying to get to get to cars to get to the game. This game was originally supposed to be played in Buffalo. None of the starting running backs would have been tall enough. They would have been tunneling under the snow, trying to get their way down the field. Uh, and so they got him on a bus, him to the stadium, got him on a plane. The airport opened just in time for that plane to take off. Uh, no coincidence there. And they got to Detroit in which they in record time sold like 58,000 tickets for that game. Uh, the Detroit lions said, uh, tweeted out to the Buffalo bills. Enjoy your stay. Please don't break any of the tables. Uh, there have been no reports that uh, tables were harmed in this instant as Buffalo does go into Detroit and gets the win over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Tough season so far for the Cleveland Browns, dropping to three and seven as Deshaun Watson is waiting in the wings to come back after his suspension. I'm sure to a what do we have? two games left for that suspension. Is that right? I think uh, so. He can st- he can start practicing this week, I believe. So I think yeah, he can start practicing. Left. His first game back is against subsequently the Texans, against right? the, the Texans. Yeah, so week thirteen is when he comes back. That's going to uh, be a uh, a poop show, if you will. We'll right family friendly here that's gonna be a mess very very friendly uh speaking of well speaking of teams that are three and seven we'll skip over the vikings here for a second i do want to spend a little bit more time talking about that mike uh the denver broncos are have fallen to three and seven um they only score 16 points in this game uh and Russell Wilson was 24 of 31 for 247 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, it is not looking good for Russell Wilson as he fleeced the Denver Broncos out of $250 million. But so far this season, Russell Wilson has thrown seven touchdowns. Any uh, question for anyone out or any one of us on on? Uh, this podcast right now. How many bathrooms does Russell Wilson have in his home in Denver? I already saw this post, baby. I already know. Gotta be like, uh, I already know. See, somebody else. Oh, Mike got it. Mike got it. I haven't haven't seen it before. I haven't seen this before for the record. Russell Wilson has 12 bathrooms. (laughs) 12 bathrooms. Why? How many games... What is the over-under on how many games it's going to take for Russell Wilson to eclipse touchdown passes to bathrooms in his Denver home? 18. 18 games? 18. So, so he won't even get it this season, is what you're saying? No, he's on track for 11.9 right now. Six, Mike says 16. Yeah. Uh, there's a good question in the chat, though. Does this include half baths? I, I don't know. The report did not say that, but I, I wonder if Russell Wilson and Kiera or Sierra, whatever his wife's name is. Sierra, like, come on, dog. Sierra. We don't, we don't, want, we don't want half baths. They're like, give me the full bath. Full baths. We need, we need full shower tubs, 12 of them. What are you going to do with 12 baths? 
Anyway. Uh, you have to clean a lot of bathrooms. If you have toilet bathrooms, oh, you might clean your cleaning. own bathroom. Exactly. I agree. You're not cleaning your Correct. own bathroom. <laughs> Correct. So, yeah, fun fact there. But the Denver Broncos, it's looking more and more likely that the Seattle Seahawks are going to reap the benefits of a top 10 draft pick coming back to them at the end of this season. Wild. Uh if you're a Seattle fan, you are really rooting against the the uh, Denver Broncos right now in every single game. So good for them in their trade. Uh, we'll talk about the Chiefs first, then we'll get to the Vikings. I know we Mike wants to reminisce about this weekend a little Russell bit. Russell Wilson probably uh, does high knees in about half of his bathrooms, and that's what he saves them for. So he's or he's in there uh, practicing the the play, calling the play in the huddle. Yeah, his little yeah. his little little uh, wristband or. Even yeah. a danger witch in there. Right. Russell yeah. Is the worst. <laughs> uh, is good at quarterback. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, both good at quarterback. Uh, and it was a good move for, I think, Sunday Night Football to flex that game. Although the Steelers and Bengals game turned out to be pretty decent, too. Maybe they were a little bit upset about being flexed out of primetime. But it was a good showing again in the AFC West Uh uh, rematch second of the season uh, going into this game if the Chiefs won it all but locked up the the division um, and the Chiefs did that it did take some some late game heroics from Patrick Mahomes again a minute and 31 seconds left on the clock was too much time as the Chargers took a lead late in that game uh, but they scored a little bit too soon uh, and Mahomes was able to lead that that touchdown drive uh, and put the Chiefs back up on top. Mahomes has never lost a game in November and, and December up until this point in his career. Uh, and one Pro point career. was Pro in his career. NFL he got, career. He got Pro Joel career. Landing. He got Joel Landing. Yeah, sorry. He did get Joel Landing in November. Uh, what is it 26 games now? 26 NFL games he's won in a row? Correct. And surprisingly, he is 14-0. and 14-0 against the AFC West in road AFC West games. So he's only lost three games uh, to division opponents, and those have all come at home. That's another interesting fact out of this. Uh, Travis Kelsey is just going on to be, you know, one of the greatest quarter or tight ends of all time. Uh, he's already matched his career receiving touchdown record in a single season already and it's week 11 uh he's got seven more weeks in the season to uh do even better than that but it it is it is what it is the chiefs win this game they're eight and two first place in the afc they've all but locked up the afc west before thanksgiving the interesting thing is denver went out and spent a ton of money got edge rusher quarterback they were like all right we got it chargers went out Edge rusher Khalil Mack uh, paid Joey Bosa, went out and got or signed some weapons, corner or cornerback safeties. Uh, and then the Raiders went out and got Devontae Adams, and it still hasn't worked. Uh, thanks to everyone who gave the Chiefs uh, some fuel this offseason, saying they won't even make the playoffs. I'm looking at you, get up football. What a joke of a program. So thanks to you for that, that fire. Yeah, well, it's because it's on at 6 a.m. on ESPN because nobody watches it. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't know if you see this as well, Kyle, but we we both live in the Kansas City Chiefs fandom area. Every time they lose a game within the first month of the year, everybody goes, the Chiefs are garbage this year. 
not going to happen. Terrible. And then we look at it this year, and what do you know? They're leading like they always are. Patrick Mahomes, consistently one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I, you know, maybe I'm biased and very recent, but Travis Kelsey's in top three, at worst, top five tight ends of all time. I don't care what you have to say. If you disagree, you're biased. And, like, when I saw them get the ball with that much time left, I'm like, Chiefs win. Chiefs just right. win. Right. And my thing is, if if your quarterback is and I'm sorry, any Washington Commanders fans out there or any uh, Jets fans out there, if you are rolling out Zach Wilson or Taylor Heineke as your quarterback, you are not going toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. Right. It takes a player like Tom Brady, like an Aaron Rodgers, if he's not a baby about everything that's going on. When you look at Patrick Mahomes on the sideline at the end of that game, he looked calm, cool, and collected, ready to go out and handle business on that last drive. He knew what he had to do. He knew what needed to be done, and he was confident in himself to go out and do it. Uh, When you look at Aaron Rodgers this season, when he's trailing and he's on the sideline, that man looks irritated. That man looks pissed that they're losing. He looks uninterested. So there are two different styles of quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers it is a great quarterback. I'll, I'll say that. He is a great quarterback. He's maybe one of the best pure throwers of the football in league history, right? Uh, but when it comes down to the characteristics that define a great player and a great leader, I'm sorry, that's not Aaron Rodgers. That's Tom Brady. And that's Patrick Mahomes. And we have still, everyone talks about Justin Herbert's got like that it factor, right? We haven't seen it yet, whether it's coaching, whether that's maybe he just still hasn't fully developed. Everyone was talking about Josh Allen. This year, Josh Allen's reverting back to his first year, his rookie season looking Josh Allen because he lost his offensive coordinator a little bit. He's leading the league in, uh, fumbles in the red zone and he's getting very very risky with some of their plays it could be with with like the style that he's having to play and how much is shouldered on his on him this season but he's he's seemed to take a little bit of a step back this year Lamar Jackson has had some up and downs but he's a historically great quarterback on his own now can that transition into the playoffs we'll see and look at it The San Francisco 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl. They were a pass, a pass away from winning the Super Bowl and beating the Chiefs. And and, right. And they went out and got Trey Lance. (laughs) Sorry, I was looking at They didn't think Jimmy Garoppolo was enough. Uh, he's likely going to lead him to a division championship and, and another playoff run this year after Zach Wilson got hurt. Just, oh, sorry, right. Trey Lance got hurt. So. Definitely think it's worth pointing out that before the season, we were all talking about how fantastic top-to-bottom slugfest the AFC West is going to be. There's one team in the entire division with a winning record. It's just the Chiefs. Nobody else even has a winning record. You know, credit to Andy Reid, credit to Patrick Mahomes, credit to Eric Bieniemy, who maybe will get a head coaching job at one point. And, you know, Travis Kelsey is basically a demigod at tight end. You can't 
can't do anything against him. Well, everyone was saying Derwin James is the best guy to cover Travis Kelsey, and when it mattered the most at the end of the game, Derwin James couldn't tra- couldn't cover him. Yeah. Did you did you see the tweet that Kansas City ran the exact same play that won them the game in SoFi Stadium last year against the Chargers in overtime? I did not. They ran the same play, same formation, same setup, same play call as last season. Same result. Travis Kelsey, a slight drag route over the middle. He just took it a different way instead of his typical like catch it, stop, turn around. He has more room to run back in the middle. He just kept going with it because of that that outside leverage that Derwin James was playing on the other side of the field. I, so. I think I saw a tweet that said, or maybe they showed it during the broadcast. It said Patrick Mahomes has four like game winning touchdown throws in the last like thirty seconds of a game or overtime. Every single one is to Travis Kelsey. Try try covering him. Maybe put two guys on him. Uh, we're gonna look for him, and he's gonna get into the zone. <laughs> But man, and if, he, and if he's not, and if he and if he can't get it to him, he's uh, he's getting someone else open because he's taking too much attention. One more stat, and then we'll get to the Vikings. Uh, oh, I was is, hoping you forgot. I was hoping you forgot nope, about the Vikings. Absolutely not. We got We got to talk about primetime Kirk Cousins yeah. here. Uh, so the last thing is uh, going into this week. I, I forget if. It's been updated. I don't know if he threw it to a different uh, receiver or not in this game. I don't think so. But Patrick Mahomes had uh, touchdown reception, had thrown touchdown passes to 10 different players on the roster this season. 10. And you look at Aaron Rodgers, who lo- is, loves to throw the ball, brand new receivers. You would think he would spread it out a little bit more. It's not there, and it doesn't happen. So take Tyreek Hill away. You can say whatever you want. Patrick Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks that elevates the play of receivers around him, but then you have the safety net of Travis Kelsey as well. So uh, we are not skipping the Vikings. I'm sorry, uh, seven 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 Sonny Sven, like a you know a Viking name, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, sure. So Mike, the Vikings come away with the catch of the year, the game of the year. And they turn it into the worst defeat of the year next week against the Cowboys. Primetime Kirk Cousins reared his ugly head again. I mean, I mean th- you, you can't really blame Kirk Cousins. Sure, you, you only scored three points, but your defense gave up 40. You were out of the game before halftime in this case. Um, you got I mean, sacked. What, he got sacked six times. That's, seven. That, Seven times that that's not a that's not totally his fault. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is great, but Kirk Cousins was not the Vikings' number one problem in this game. By well, any the only reason I would was, argue was, that giving up 40 points is more common in the NFL than scoring three. Three is not very many points to score in the NFL. I mean, you, I mean, you scored as many points in the NFL this week as the New York Jets. Let that but, sink in. And the New York Jets are six and four. Let that sink in. It's not like these are the O and or the one and fifteen Jets. Okay. All I'm saying, what was two weeks ago when Ariane said the Vikings are not legit. They played a ton of backup quarterbacks, and what do you know? They play one team that actually has some real aspirations of the playoffs, and they get blown out forty to three. Uh, 
this was going to happen sooner or later, whether it's in the regular season or the postseason. The Vikings are not legit, and I will stand by that point. It was a it was a typical letdown after a big performance. You see this all the time with the Vikings. They do they do something uh, they do uh, something amazing, and then they 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 just get let down. And yeah, they, they just Cousins, have a major letdown game, and it was not great. And, I don't I don't think this was Kirk Cousins' reason. He wasn't the reason they lost, but Kirk Cousins will never lead you to a Super. Bowl. I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that's probably true. But he wasn't the number one reason they lost that game. And we don't need to talk about it anymore about that game. I'm good. I'm good. Shake it off. Go beat the Patriots on Thursday. Right. You're going to make the playoffs because the Packers suck and everything else is good. So just just recover, get back into it, and, and we'll go from there. Um, three games coming up on Thanksgiving um, this week in the NFL. So we'll, we'll see and we'll fill you in on next week's episode um, everything that happens in the NFL. Ariane, what do you, what do you got in the NBA? Yeah, we'll move on. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. We've been taking our time here with the video format, but uh, we're almost a quarter of the way through the NBA season, believe it or not. Uh, I don't know how that's possible, but okay. It's crazy. It's been going quick. It started like two weeks ago. <laughs> but uh, in the East... I'll just go through our top three here. The Celtics are leading the East, then the Bucks of Milwaukee, and then there is a tie for the Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then in the West, we have somehow, against all odds, trading two all-star players. The Jazz are leading the West for some reason. I'm not sure how that's happening. Uh, And then there's a tie for the next... Three teams, the Suns, the Blazers, and the Nuggets are all tied. Um, definitely the most interesting headline there is that a team that was expected to tank their way all the way to the Wimbanyana sweepstakes and the Utah Jazz is somehow leading the West still. When we covered it initially, we said, uh, I, I said, I won't give everybody credit for that. I said, it's not going to last. They're going to tank. That's what they want to do. They're still there at this point. They might be looking for a playoff spot, get a little extra, you know, uh, profit for the playoffs, hosting a couple games, and then they'll see what they can do with the picks that they've gotten from all those trades. I mean, they have more than they're just just their own picks, but uh, definitely interesting there. Some highlights or lowlights, depending on who it is. Um, The Lakers suck. I said the Lakers were going to suck. They still suck. (laughs) I think everyone knew the Lakers suck. They don't have anyone who can shoot. And yeah. you've got a, no. what, almost 40-year-old LeBron James? Yeah, he's injured right now. I think he re-injured his groin, maybe. Who knows? Uh, AD isn't playing decent in these last two games, but I'm a big AD hater, so I don't buy into that very much. The Golden State Warriors are actually out of the play-in, if it were to start today. Clay Thompson has been not great for the whole season, while uh, Steph Curry has been electric. Uh, he had a good game last night. Um, the Timberwolves have not been as good as I thought they were going to be. I was a huge, huge Timberwolves guy before the season started. I said they're going to be great. It's going to be good. Two bigs. We're going to usher oh, in an age so of is dual the, towers. Is the Go Bear is the Go Bear Carl Anthony Towns lineup not really working? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. They don't know what to do with each other, and then there's just this weird, prevailing sense of just. No 
nobody wants to be on the team with each other. They're just complaining all the time. Anthony Edwards is complaining about the big men. Carl Anthony Towns is complaining. Gobert is complaining. Nobody's playing defense. They seem like they hate being on a team with each other. Sounds like, you, a, sounds like middle school drama. It really does. And then, you know, go Carl Anthony Towns is sniping at Anthony Edwards for eating too much Popeyes on the weekends. Like, that's legitimately a thing. And when you take Cat out, you have Gobert. They're fantastic on defense and not good on offense. And then when you put Cat in and take Gobert out, they're great on offense and they're terrible on defense. And then when you put them both in, they're just kind of confused. The spacing doesn't feel right. A game last weekend, they literally just played five on four while D'Angelo Russell just sat at the scorer's table and didn't realize he's supposed to be in the game. Like that is indicative of their season so far. They just don't seem to understand how to play together. Uh, we do have a chat that says Popeyes is so good. Shout out. Popeyes is hella good. I mean, really good. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say swear words. Uh, is not a swear word. Okay, good. Then it's hella good, yeah. Um, before the season started, I also said, uh, watch out for the magic. The magic are going to be good. That has not happened. Uh, I look stupid for that. They're, they're pretty hurt, though, right? They're not hurt. It seems like a lot of teams in the NBA are hurt right now. A lot of injuries right now. The Brooklyn Nets, uh, have been the biggest what if since the season started. Uh, a lot of drama there with uh, Kyrie Irving. You can look that stuff up if you'd like to. We're not going to get too deep into that right now. But Ben Simmons has had a good couple last games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. I'm a big Ben Simmons, pro Ben Simmons guy, so I hope he can turn it around. Um, Joel Embiid has been playing fantastic. He just doesn't have anybody around him with a hurt James Harden. And then kind of similar story with the Mavericks. Luka has been fantastic. He just doesn't have a ton around him. Um, that's pretty much all I got. Just a super quick overview so far into the season. Do you guys have any questions or anything about it? The chat, whatever. Or else we can Who's, move on from there. I, 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 I mean, anything. the Warriors. Like, so is it just Clay Thompson? Or like, what's going on with the Warriors right now? Because they didn't have Clay Thompson for the bulk majority of last season, right? So probably like 25, what, 30 games. What's, what's the issue then? Why are they not yeah, doing so well? Clay Thompson has been struggling a lot. Jordan Poole has also been struggling to recreate the kind of magic he had last season. Steph Curry, as normal, has been going supernova. Fantastic season. Um, and then they, they got rid of a lot of their players and decided to rely on their younger guys. They got rid of Otto Porter Jr., they got rid of Nemanja Bialica, they got rid of Gary Payton II, and they're kind of looking for Kuminga, uh, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman to take over that spot. Uh, Wiseman just got sent down to the G League, which isn't great. You hope he can develop there, but that's not what you want to see from guys you expect to contribute in your rotation. So the young guys haven't you know, really contributed as much as they thought they would. And then just your two big kind of uh, dynamite scorers in Poole and Thompson haven't really been scoring as well as you thought they would. So they're kind of looking to gel together there more than they thought they would. But uh, that's really the big, big problem there. But I think they'll get it together. They have a great coach and they have a great team. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's that's their biggest problem there. And uh, yeah. 
Anything else? Nothing for me. Cool. The chat looks happy. Uh, one Milwaukee fan there. Congrats to you. Giannis is very good at football. Or not football. He's probably good at football, too. Yeah, he might be. He's a freak. He's great at basketball, though. So enjoy that when you're watching. And Ariane is really hoping that the Milwaukee Bucks continue their reign of dominance because his fantasy team is riding on the Milwaukee Bucks right now. So change my name to the Milwaukee Bucks at this point. Yeah. So thank you for filling us in on the NBA. Um, in Mike Stupid Rules this week, I just want to go over a quick rules difference between the NFL and college. And I knew these two rules were slightly different, um, but I looked it up this weekend because it came up in a game that I was watching. I want to talk about um, the difference in the ineligible man downfield um, penalty in the NFL versus college. So in the college rule book, we're going to be looking at Rule 7, Article 10 um, is what we're going to be looking at um, right now. Rule 7, Article 10, ineligible receiver downfield, says that no origin, originally ineligible receiver shall be or have been more than three yards beyond the neutral zone until a passer throws a legal forward pass that crosses the neutral zone. I'm, I'm emphasizing these things for a reason. Um, they're in violation of the rule if any part of their body is beyond the three-yard limit. So the three things to, to uh, look at there, three-yard limit, um, and any part of their body past it, and um, pass across the line of scrimmage. Those are the three things there. Now listen to the NFL rule, which you're going to find in Rule 8, Section 3, Article 1, Item 2. And an, eligible, and an eligible offensive player is illegally downfield if he moves more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage without contacting an opponent. After losing contact with an opponent within one yard of the line of scrimmage, he advances more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. Or after losing contact with an opponent more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage, he continues to move towards his opponent's goal line. So, a couple things to do there. Oh, and then the note. An ineligible offensive play is legally downfield when his entire body is more than one yard beyond the line of scrimmage. So, the things to look at there is, first of all, in the NFL, it is one yard, not three yards, but your entire body has to be across that um, in the NFL for that to be the case. Um, the other difference between the NFL and the college rule, it does not matter whether the pass is behind or across the line of scrimmage in the NFL. It can be downfield either way. But the NFL does allow some provisions for blocking, um, where the NCAA does not. You can't be blocking somebody that far down the field, where theoretically in the NFL, you, you could be. So there you go. Those are the differences. Any questions? Um, any questions on those rules? A point of emphasis before we get to that, I have a trivia question for you three and everybody in the chat that I'll give you a second to type out. Can you think of a play, specifically in high school ball, um, where the snapper can be an eligible receiver? The center is an eligible receiver. Uh, put that in your brain. Think about it. Put it in the chat if you have any ideas. My uh, point of emphasis, I suppose, was your NCAA rule, and this is the same in high school as well. That three-yard limit is a hard limit. It's a pane of glass. 
if the player were to break that pane of glass, that's when you throw the flag for an eligible downfield. So yep. that was my, my bit of trivia. Can you guys think of a scenario where you can have an eligible center or an eligible snapper on a play? I can't think of one on a punt. That's all uh, I punt, can think of. So uh, on a punt, a fourth down or a one-point try is the only place where this can happen, or on, on any tries not to be one-point try. Um, definitely not out on a shootout after overtime. We're not allowed to talk about soccer on this podcast. <laughs> no. The only time that you can have an eligible snapper is if the snapper is on the end of the line, right? So if we go back to, to basic football rules. The individual on the outside that's on the line is eligible, right? So you get wide receivers on the line, tight ends. If they're lined up on the line like that, they're going to be eligible. You can have a snapper on the end of the line. I see this a lot in eight-man ball. Uh, they have what's called a I'll swing. We got formation. somebody in the chat saying eight-man. So they yeah, know what they're eight, eight, eight man's where you're going to see this. Exactly. Hang on. The- the, the center is an eligible receiver in six-man flag football that I, that I play. But, uh, those are dumb rules. But, ev- but everybody's an eligible receiver in that. Yeah, so. yeah that's, that's true. Uh, the, the other thing with eight-man that makes it a heck of a lot easier, too, is their, their um, numbers don't matter. You, you can have an eligible guy wearing number 50 in eight-man. So Yeah. There's, there's your trivia for the day. Shout out TMK261. Eight-man ball was, was the right answer. Very nice. Very nice. So that is it for our stupid rules. And now we'll go into our accountability session. And it's actually quite a long accountability session because the F1 season ended um, this last weekend with the race. I believe it was in Brazil, right? The last race? No, Saudi Arabia. No, Saudi Arabia. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi yeah. Grand Prix. Shout out to human rights. Yeah. 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 Yes. We're um, not talking so, about the other things. So, yeah. <laughs> no, we aren't. Um, I just, you just totally killed my train of thought there, Ariane. Sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's God. It's God. Accountability <laughs> session. So we have a long accountability session because we had a lot of F1 predictions come off the board with the end of the year. So what we're going to do to save my time about having to say who each of these predictions is, the first one's from Ariane, the last one's from Ariane, and then we're going to alternate between Kyle and Wyatt for the rest of these, all right? So I'm not going to say the names. We're just going to go, all right? Here we go. First one, our only non-F1 prediction to come off the board is that Ben Simmons hits a three-pointer in his first 10 games as a net. He has now played 11 games as a net, only shot one three and did not hit it. So, nah. 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 There was a prediction um, from both Kyle and Wyatt um, that Russell would finish the season with more points than Lewis Hamilton, which did happen, so they both get a ding 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 Kyle predicted that uh, Mercedes would win the Constructors' Championship. They finished third, so nah. 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 Um, Wyatt said an Alpine would wind up on the podium, which, to the best of my knowledge, did not ever happen, Wyatt. I assume. There was only one, one team that had a podium finish that was not Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes, and that was not Alpine. That was, it was Lando Norris. <laughs> that was Lando, who's probably on Twitch right now. Come join us. So, anyway, for that, then, like, it's a... Nah. 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 
Kyle um, did have a weird set of predictions here. He predicted that um, Russell would finish ahead of Hamilton, but also had a different prediction that Hamilton would finish second. So de facto predicting that uh, Russell and Hamilton would go one, two, um, which, which it did not. Hamilton did not finish second. So Kyle gets a net. Wyatt predicted that Daniel Ricciardo would get a podium this year. He did not. So Wrong net. McLaren driver. Nah. Nah. He doesn't drive for McLaren anymore. He's not Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, you predicted that Nor- uh, Lando Norris would win a race, which he did not. So, nah. 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 All right, you, you guys got to help me on this one because I kept confusing myself whenever I thought about it. Wyatt predicted there will not be a race this year that does not have a DNF. There was so a there race. Had, there was a DNF in every single race. Yes, Therefore, there was a DNF in every race. So the prediction is correct. Is that what that yes. means? I couldn't follow. Yes. And what I'm saying the, is that the prediction, the prediction is saying that there will be a DNF in every single race this year. And there was. There was. I, I can verify yeah. that. I just couldn't, couldn't tell what you were predicting based on that. So okay. that's right. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Um, and then the last um, one from Kyle and Wyatt to come off the board <laughs> was that Merck uh, will finish 1-2 this last weekend and surpass Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. Um, nope. Uh, that, it didn't happen. So, nah. Nah. I want to play Charles uh, someone quoted, I won't say who predicted it, he says, before saying who predicted <laughs> all of the predictions. So good job, Mike. You, you couldn't get off autopilot there. Also, this is the last, this, this is the last one. You all know who predicted it. That Haas would podium in a race. That did not happen. So this person you should all know gets a nah. Nah. Is Latifi the best driver in F1, and does he deserve a seat next season? Uh, I don't know who that is. He, nope. he is not, he's the, not best the best driver, driver in their phone. So, so there was there was a TikTok that I watched that said that went through average uh, finish of the season, like based on grid finish. Uh, Nicholas Latifi's average uh, race finish was like fifteen point eight, which was actually twenty second because other drivers raced this year and finished higher than he did. Like. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg race this year. Uh, his finish was like I think he finished 15th, so he was higher than Latifi there. Uh, and then there was one other player or person who did a race and did better. Was it DeVries? Probably. Yeah. So he finished 22nd, uh, and he raced the entire season. So shout out to uh. Cad Banshee ninety eight putting in his write that down prediction. Uh, Bucks and Cardinals will both win tonight. And uh, Zach saying Kyle Murray, who is not a player. Good job there, bud. Uh, you probably wanted Kyler Murray back at home playing COD. Uh, you tried. You tried your best. But we'll move on to the official. Yes, our, our official write that down predictions. I'm going to start, and I'm going to harken back to a prediction um, I made and got away with last year. Um, if y'all remember in the all SEC national oh. championship game last year, I predicted that the SEC would win the uh, national championship and y'all gave me a double. Um, oh, dumb. So, Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't there for that. 
Kyle wasn't there to correct us. R and I are just dumb. That literally, I thought about that last week, and I felt embarrassment in my soul for no reason. And you had to bring it up this week. I, I did. I did have to bring it up again. I'm just so gonna. I'm say gonna it. I'll, I'm, I'm I'll alter it a little bit and say that an SEC team will not win the national championship this year. Ooh, Mixing so it up. we probably got a overall standings now with with Tennessee losing. I don't know if there's two SEC teams that it's make it. Probably yeah. just Georgia, LSU has an and ten, LSU, Tennessee, and Bama. LSU has to LSU has to win the SEC championship game to sniff it, right? Yes, and that's even not that's not even guaranteed, right? Just because winning a championship game isn't an automatic bid. But ESPN and the college football playoff do love the SEC. I'm gonna say triple. They're biased. Just just to cut you off, I'm gonna say triple. Thoughts, opinions. I, I was really looking at I think Georgia's. I think Georgia's the best team this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, triple. Uh, That's what my gut says. Eh. I don't know if this is quite a home run. Uh, even triple. Like I'm between double and triple, but if everybody's between triple home run, we'll go triple. I'm solid triple. Okay, triple it is. Sounds good to me. That's triple. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He he is still alive. I believe he he is listening. Josh, say hi in the chat if you're listening. Um, but he did get me a prediction. He is um, he is what 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 was his exact quote here? I think I saved it. Um, he is saying that the Lions go to the playoffs. He has given up all hope. Football is hell. Lions to the playoffs. All right. Yeah, that's fair. What so are the Lions right now? Say? Four and... Yeah, 538 NFL predictions currently have the Lions, who are four and six, with a 12% chance to make the playoffs. Better than the Packers' 6% chance, by the way, for all you keeping track at home. 12% percent like, that's our triple territory, ain't it? Yeah, it seems like a triple to yeah. me as well. Last week, you probably would have gotten a home run for this. I'd still go home run. I'd still go home run. It's, it's the Lions, you know? You got to look at them this year. Tangibles. And it's they're the actually the Detroit Lions. But they're looking functional for the first time in... The Lions just don't get nice things, you know? I'll go home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home run on it. What are you thinking, Kyle? Uh, you can set the tire, break it. I am going. The chat says the Packers can still technically win the North. So uh, live in your dreams, yes. my fan. Yeah. Live in your dreams. They can. Ooh. Triple. Triple it is. We don't have to break out the tiebreaker coin. Oh, we could have done it on stream. We could have watched Wyatt. I know. Make sure I'm not just making stuff up. Bummer. I'm going to go ahead and predict, um, since basketball season started now a little bit ago, uh, that the Iowa State men's basketball team will go to the Sweet 16. Home run. Home run, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, 
Yep. They're in, in the latest bracketologies I'm reading, they're not even in the tournament. So Sweet 16 would be a homer. And they're not even Absolutely. on the bubble. Tampa Bay has a more recent NFC North championship than the Lions from the chat. That. I think I tweeted that out at one point. So, What do you uh, got, Kyle? Uh, Cyclone women win their tournament this week slash weekend. And that seems like a single. They're the best team there. So. I I mean, if you say it's 50% they win or they don't win, that's a single still. I mean, it is. I, I, maybe I feel bad just giving a win double. out there. I, I'd feel better with the double. It doesn't have to be. You know, I, I'm not trying to talk you into it. But they're both good. It's a single. They're, they're good, but, like, that's – yeah. Number five does, in does, the country. How many, how many wins is that? Is it three? Two, two wins. Two. two wins. Just two. Yeah. They should. They, they absolutely should. Basketball is swinging, says the chat. And I mean, they're do... playing what the other? They're playing a possibly the number eight team in the country. Yeah, I'm gonna say double. I'm not gonna try to sway either of you, but I'm gonna say double. I'm still a single, so. Uh, they are playing the number eight team in the country. Like, all right, I'm fine. I'll go to double against my Thank better you. judgment. I'll go to double. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you got, Ariane? All right. I would like to point out that uh, Josh never responded. So Josh may be actually dead at this point. So he was uh, not as mark. of an, he was as not, he was alive as of like an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Now maybe two hours ago now. Uh, my prediction on the E, you know, the heels of him setting some records and really just doing work his whole college career. I'm going to say Xavier Hutchinson, Xavier Hutchinson. Is a top 65 pick in the NFL draft next year. So basically first round, all. second round, or number one pick right. in the third round? Why 65 instead of 64? I just like that number better. So yeah, 65. Um, right, so he could be the first overall pick. He could the be the round. first pick in the third round, technically. Yeah. Unless you guys will give me a better grade for saying 64, and then I will move it. No, not really. No, that's not going to change anything. Because if he's no. not drafted in the in the second round, he's not going to be the best player taken in the third round. Yeah, that's fair. Is this a deep receiver class? Mm, that's a good question. What does Mel Kuyper say? Because you know, everyone trusts that Mel Kuyper. Most uh, mock drafts at this point are gonna be uh, gonna be uh, subscribed first, only. So. Well, or just the first round that's free. Yeah. I don't know triple. I, I don't uh, know. NFL draft rankings for wide receivers. They do not list him even in the top one two in the top fourteen. Wow, Mel Kiper doesn't. That's crazy to me. Uh, it's a pretty deep class. Jordan Addison, USC, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, Jackson Smith, Njigba, uh, that Quentin Johnson from TCU, uh, LSU receiver, another Tennessee receiver, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Boston, Boston College, uh, Louisiana, and then you've got Marvin Mims from Oklahoma who just missed the cut, supposedly. So it's a pretty deep Tri- class. Triple a home run, man. Home run. I- how deep it was home run that's it's too deep of a class you're probably only going to see eight of those guys maybe going in the top 65 
He's a he's a day three pick. I guess I should have done some research before I picked that, but uh, I'm gonna rock with it at this point. <laughs> yeah, run it is then. I agree, home run with a double, two triples, and two home runs. That concludes our write that down prediction segment, which means yes, we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this this week's episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 200. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check with our social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, RM Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Beat Villanova. I don't care about TCU. <laughs>